everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 235 of the Real Life Runners podcast. So you've had a race. Maybe it's even your big goal race. But what do you do next? A lot of people plan for a big race, but then when it's over, they're not quite sure what to do. So today we're talking about how much recovery time you need after a race, and then where do you go from here? This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right. Hi, guys. How is it going, everybody? 2022 is back, and it's in full effect. Yeah, and races are just going. Races are coming back, man. It's happening. I mean, they're just back. Like They were kind of back next year, and then they were like weird last year. Last year. But they were in like weird sizes. Now they're just back. In weird sizes? They were like the big marathons were back, but they were limiting to like like a quarter of capacity. (laughs) Crowd sizes. You know, crowd sizes. The, the, The... sizes were limited this year yeah. like chicago's like no 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 we're just bringing everybody back everybody's allowed in yep. like i've i heard so many people that got into that lottery i don't like i've of ever all the runners i know i know one person that got rigid that did not get accepted to the lottery that's unfortunate i know <laughs> it's a bummer yeah lots of others that have so today we want to talk about races and specifically what to do after a race. I think that this is kind of where a lot of people find themselves. They set a goal, they you know follow a training plan, they run the race, they're super excited, and then they're like, well, now what do I do? So usually what people do is then just sign up for another race and hop on another training plan mm-hmm. or awkwardly float until another race shows up. Right. A lot of times this is what leads a lot of people to become inconsistent. Like if they don't have another race on the calendar right away, then they kind of float for a while. They run, maybe they don't run. They're just a lot of inconsistency because they aren't directed in one direction. <laughs> directed in one direction. That's a good one. No, that seems about yeah. right. I mean, that's generally where you would be directed. But in, a, in a direction. Part of the issue is that they actually aren't directed. They're directed in so many places. Right. And during the time that training plan was there, they were to focus and be like, all right, I got to make sure that I have time during the day, during the week that I, I sketch out my time. This is when I'm going to get my run in. Mm-hmm. And then the race happens and running's not quite as high of a priority. So all the rest of the things can become a little bit more of a priority and running gets pushed down on the list and eventually it gets pushed so far down that some people just kind of take a little unexpected time off from running. Right. And we don't want that to happen to you guys. You know, this is why we love coaching people to work in 90 day cycles to kind of figure out, okay, what is the bigger goal that I want to have and how long is it going to take me to get there based on where I'm starting from, right? If the big goal is a half marathon, if the big goal is a marathon, where am I now? How long is a reasonable amount of time for me to achieve this goal without putting myself at a higher risk of injury, right? Because if you want to start running farther than you've ever run before, running faster than you ever have before, you want to make sure that you're giving yourself an appropriate timeline to get there. Because if you start pushing too hard, doing too much, ramping up your volume too soon and too quickly, that is a recipe for injury, okay? So make sure that you're giving yourself the appropriate timeline to build up to your goals, to your races. But then what happens after that, right? Like that's what we want to talk about today is like where do we go next after the race? So let's start with right after the race, okay? In the the week or two, even the month following the race, what should we do? Should we start running right away? Should we take rest and recovery days? How do we actually recover from a race? All right. So I think there's a lot of different aspects about how to recover from a race that you need to take into account of how much time it's going to take you to recover. You know, you 
like to mention that we talk in 90 day cycles. So should I take a 90 day cycle? I raced on Saturday or Sunday and then just boom, I'm going to start another 90 day cycle the following Monday, depending on what that race was. And depending on what the cycle is. Yes. Depending on what the cycle, the purpose of the race, the length of the race, there's a lot of things. And that's kind of what we're going to dive into on this one. So I think one of the first things to take into account was how physically taxing was that race? Like how difficult was it on your body? Was it a super, super long race? Was it a super hilly race, uphills, downhills? Like how beat up physically do you feel following that race? Right, because longer races just cause more physical damage to the muscles. Your muscles are working harder for a longer period of time. And when your muscles work hard at any point, you know, for any given amount of time, they produce byproducts, right? This is what happens with muscle contraction, with energy metabolism, they produce byproducts. And so the longer the race, the more those byproducts are building up in your body. So if you are running for hours, if you are doing a longer race, like a half marathon, a marathon, an ultra marathon, and you're out there running for hours and hours and hours, not to mention the months of training that go up to that as well, right? Like that, that's not something that you want to just discount either. Yes, that race itself was physically taxing, but think also how physically taxing was the lead up to that race, the training and all of the miles and hours and hours of training that you put into it it just um, to complete that race, right? So the longer the race, the more physical damage there is to the muscles. So if you are out there running for a couple of hours, you're going to need several days of recovery. And how much exactly depends on the person. It depends on the level of experience you've had, if you've ever run that distance before, how good a shape you're in, how fast you ran that. You know, there's a lot of different variables that um, go into effect. But, you know, can we give them some general guidelines, you know, like say after a 5k, 10k half marathon marathon? I mean, it's, there's a lot of different variables that come in. Like one of them that you pointed out was, have you ever run that distance before? And how hard were you pushing during that? Mm -hmm. Like this is part of the physical challenge is, you know, some people who run miles upon miles upon miles could conceivably go out and run like a half marathon over the weekend as a training run. Right. Like if you're training for a marathon, if they did it without pushing themselves, you're like, I'm going to run it at like a medium effort. I'm not going to push and see how fast I could do the half marathon. It's just going to be like a 13 mile run over the weekend. That requires a whole different recovery than I'm going to go out there and push to see the fastest Mm -hmm. I could possibly run 13.1 miles. Yeah. And I know this one firsthand and I was surprised by it to be very honest with everybody and um, myself even. You know, like I, before I ran my, one of my half marathons, I had done 13 miles in training. Like there was one time I even built up to like 14 or 15 miles, um, in my training for a half marathon. But I remember being so sore after my first one, even after I think my second one too. Um, like I said, I had done long training runs, so I was really surprised at how sore I was after the race itself. Cause I'm like, well, I've done this mileage before. And Kevin, you were like, yeah, but you never raced it like this before. Mm-hmm. You know, this was faster than you ever have done it before. And so don't underestimate what that also does. You know, when you're out there trying to 
PR and really try to push yourself and see what you're capable of. And you're out there in, you know, level five, six, seven, depending on what distance of a race you're running. When you're pushing yourself into those higher effort levels, that is much more physically taxing on your body than like a level two or a level three. Right. And so then you have to take into account like how hard were you pushing and how long was the distance pushing super, super hard on a 5k is going to take less recovery than pushing super, super hard on a half marathon. Right. There's literally just less wear and tear on your body. Like the effort level, the intensity is much higher on a 5k, but you're not out there for hour upon hour. Mm -hmm. Like you just, you aren't. So right. it's, it's easy to recover. But then if you are out there, you do the half marathon training run, that is a long time just beating up on your body, even if you're not pushing the pace, even if it's not like a quote unquote race, but you're just in there having fun with friends, that's still, you know, you have to balance. Like if you're not used to going that far, that's going to beat up your body. So, you know, the distance and intensity both kind of take a toll and you kind of have to decide how much of each of them are physically beating down on my body. Right. You also have to take into consideration the terrain that you're running on, right? Ooh, good one. So if you are running in like a downhill race, that is really hard, specifically on your quadricep muscles, but really like on your knees and just on your body in general. Like downhill races, they seem like a good idea in theory, right? Because you're like, well, I'm running down the hill, so I'll probably be able to run faster. And again, of course, that depends on the actual slope of the hill. Like how downhill is it? Is it like a very, very gradual downhill or is it kind of a steeper downhill? But those kinds of uh, terrains can really trash your, your quads. If you are running on a trail, that might cause soreness all over the body in places you didn't even realize you used during running, right? Because um, the good thing about trail races is that it's a softer surface. So that can reduce the impact. But when you are running on a softer surface and if it's an uneven surface or a natural surface where there are rocks and like little bumps in the trail and those kinds of things, there's an increased need for stabilization in your body. Your body is working those small stabilizing muscles a lot more than if you're just running on a nice paved flat road, right? So you might have soreness in areas of your body that the muscles, you know, your body was calling on these little stabilizing muscles to kick in and help out. And you're like, why in the world am I sore here, right? Or even in your upper body, right? Because yep. you have to use your arms more to balance out some of the unevenness that your legs are experiencing. Right. Especially if you're working like a trail and it's more of a technical trail where you really are like having to pick your steps here, you might be looking at the finishing time and be like, well, that was not that intense. Like this is the time that I normally run for a 10K. This is what I ran for a 10K on the trail. It was like 10 or 15 minutes slower. So I shouldn't be that sore. And you wake up the next day and everything hurts. You're like, oh, well, I guess all of the unevenness of that. I mean, I talked to my sister about this years ago. She ran a trail half marathon. She was like, I've never been that sore mm -hmm. after a race, but the whole thing was trails. There was, there was some decent hill up and down to it, but it was also the entire thing was on dirt trails. Some of it was nicely packed down. Some of it was not and rocks and roots and everything. So you really have to control your whole body in that. It leads to a whole different level of soreness. For sure. And that leads us to our second point was what you know point number one was how physically taxing was that race 
Point number two, how mentally taxing was that race, right? Like if you are on a trail where you are constantly having to focus on like, am I stepping on a rock? Is there a branch that's going to trip me? That not only is a physically taxing way to run, but also very mentally because your focus has to be on the entire time, you know, especially on a technical trail like that versus if you're out on a road that is completely clear and if you're in the middle of a a race where all the roads are shut down and you've got a lot you know people around you but nothing crazy right you can kind of just zone out for parts of the race and just run right that is not as mentally taxing as something where you need to bring that higher level of focus just to make sure that you're in the right place and not stepping on something incorrectly. Yeah. And hundred percent experience also comes into, oh, yeah. into account here. If it's the first time you've ever run a distance that just like stress kind of anxiety built into running a distance for the first time is going to be an extra mental challenge for mm-hmm. you. You know, if you're doing five K's and 10 K's and suddenly you've upped yourself to a half marathon, mile seven is just a little bit of anxiety inducing. Yeah. You know, the first time you see mile seven, mm-hmm. mile eight, and you're like, like it's Ooh. exciting. <laughs> like it's one of those things that's like very exciting, but you're like, oh my gosh, I've, I'm running longer. But I mean, in, you have run that far in training, right? Like, please don't do a half marathon and only run a 10k <laughs> no 100 but you know like you said there's a difference between running 13 miles and racing yes, 13 miles yes that's true even even if you've done the the mental trick which is how you really should take any like anxiety about the situation turn into excitement because mm-hmm. it's all the same kind of overall feeling being that excited for the entire race yeah is also exhausting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love mile seven because mile seven is like the past the halfway point for me. Sure. Right. So to, to me, like mile seven was never anxiety producing. Mile seven was always like, yes, now I'm on the downhill. Oh. Like <laughs> I, I, I'm more than halfway done. Right. So I'm closer now to the finish than I am to the start. Yeah. There's a couple I've got of, that mental, like within a half marathon, there's a couple signs out there and people should write in on this one. What is your least favorite sign to see during the race? Mm-hmm. Because and You're almost there. Yeah. Like, are you happier with the sign that's like mile 12? That's like, I got one to go. Like, I'm not a big fan of mile 10. And I know a lot of people are because they're like, I've got a 5K to go. I can easily run a 5K. And I'm looking at mile 10. I'm like, who? Now I got to really crank it for a whole nother 5K. And it's all just how you, you phrase it's whatever you want to hit yep. that thing. But mile mile 10 is not my happiest sign. I'd much rather see, 10, see 11. And mile 2. For some reason, I'm fine with one. I'm still in the race. It's still early, but mile two. You don't like like mile two? No. Like, really? Two? That's only at two? Yeah. (laughs) That's how I felt on my run the other day. I was like, we were running, and I looked down, and we were at like three point something. I was like, really? We've only gone 3.6 miles? You know, like... Really? We're only at three minutes? What? How did that happen? So going back, like, how mentally taxing was that race for you, right? Like, was it your first time running that distance? Like, did you have to really push through wanting to stop? Like how long did that portion last? Because there's always that portion in a race, right? There's always that portion where your body's yelling at you and you want to stop and walk and you have to just keep pushing through. But how long did that part last for you, right? Did did that wanting to stop feeling start at mile two or mile five of a half marathon and you had to like will yourself all the way to 13.1? That's going to be a much more mentally taxing race than just knowing you had to push the last mile or two. 
Right. And, you know, for some of these really long distances, there's that part where you're like, I don't think I'm going to make it. And then because things are hurting and then it starts feeling a little bit better and you're able to overcome that. And you're like, okay, no, I'm good. And then it comes back and you have to fight it again and be like, Mm -hmm. no, no, I'm going, I'm still going to run. And it starts feeling a little bit better. And then it comes back the third time. Like how many times did you have to push off Mm -hmm. that desire to quit? Was it something that you were holding for a long time? Did you have to literally keep beating that sensation down? All of those are exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. And then also how long did you prepare for the race? Like how long were you training for that race and how much of a buildup was there in your mind? How worried were you about that race beforehand? You know, how big of a deal was it? How big was this goal for you? Because though all of those things play a role in how mentally taxing this race was for you to complete. Right. I mean, especially if this is one of those big races that you've been training for months and months to get to. You know in the process of all of those months and miles of training that you've built this goal up even bigger in your head. Like you can tell yourself, no, 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 it's just a race. This is just a, a, a mark on my training plan. It's the running journey. But you've added some sort of value to it. You think that it's big and important. And afterwards, whether it was super successful, you knocked out of the park, you got the PB, or it's what I, maybe we should refer to as a learning experience. <laughs> like you didn't get the result you were wanted? Learning experience. You got the lesson you needed. You got the lesson you needed but not the result you wanted sure (laughs) either way you're gonna have some pretty big feelings afterwards and you should give yourself a day or two to feel those feelings without you know having to be like no no no, i'm just gonna get back on my next training cycle like you get to enjoy the highs you get to feel the lows otherwise really what's the point of all of the training like you Mm -hmm. should be able to feel the emotions to it right exactly so definitely you know take into account how physically taxing the race was how mentally taxing the race was the next thing you want to keep in mind is when is the next event you know was this race kind of part of a series like in the school setting right we coach a cross-country team a high school cross-country team so we always tell them we train you through the season like we don't peak and try to like taper you for like random races throughout the course of the season. Our goal is the state championship meet at the end of the season every single year. So we have to just keep training. We need to use a lot of these races as training runs. So even though there are races where you're putting a number on your chest there, it's technically just more training for you to get more experience and um, to get you towards that bigger goal of the state meet. I mean, this was my setup with racing when I first got into running. We would have a race every single week. Sometimes there would be two races a week. We'd have like a league meet race on Wednesday, and then we'd have a big invitational on Saturday. So you couldn't peak and then recover after every single one of them. It was literally just like the speed workout during the week was the race on Wednesday. And then you had an easier run on Thursday. You ran on Friday, raced again on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes you you might line yourself up and just be like, you know what? I'd like to do all these 5Ks, and I'm going to knock them out in in several consecutive weekends. None of them are necessarily going to be the biggest one that you're aiming for. It's a series. It's part of your overall fitness. And in that case, you don't need a huge recovery after them. Mm -hmm. Like the next day shouldn't be a hard day, but if it's not that long of a distance and you've got several races lined up, you're basically going to just kind of keep training through those races. Right. And if you are a real life runner, like most of the people listening to this podcast, right? And you're not running for a school in a, in a series necessarily, you know, was this race kind of a buildup toward a bigger race? Cause 
a lot of times when we have um, our athletes that we like to coach, we have them choose. Like if they're building up to a half marathon, maybe there's a 5K and a 10K that they throw into their training to race, like Kevin just said, like to do some speed work, right? Like maybe instead of doing a speed work session that week, you just throw a 5K in. Or you want to do a 10K and a build up to a half marathon to practice your fueling or to practice your pacing strategy or whatever it might be. Is that race that you just did, is it kind of a build up to a bigger race or is it is that the goal race itself yeah i mean you pointed out two phenomenal things one of the best ways to train for a half marathon is racing 10ks like that's that's just a great workout for a half marathon is to go race 10ks and you need to make sure you recover afterwards like maybe you have a couple of easier days maybe there's a full off day kind of depends on your current fitness level but you can also use this as a way to practice fueling especially if you want to use like a half marathon to practice fueling for a marathon getting used to going through aid stations and taking the water Mm -hmm. if you're carrying fuel what's that even going to look like like it might not be you know everything that you need to carry for a full marathon but you're also not going out there with the goal of i'm going to run my fastest half marathon it's part of the training cycle so Mm -hmm. you could use like a 90-day build up towards a half marathon that then leads to a 90-day build up to a full marathon like this is a totally doable thing yeah absolutely so Um, that's a really important thing to keep in mind is like, what was the purpose of that race? And then the next point you want to think about is what is on your calendar in the foreseeable future, right? Like, is your calendar kind of empty? If like, have, have you not chosen your next goal yet? You know, a lot of times this happens after a big goal race. Like when someone does their first marathon, they're like, okay, they set their sights and they work for months, maybe even years to achieve that goal. And then they get there and they're like, okay, now what? Right. Like I had this conversation with one of our athletes today. She's running her first half marathon, um, you know, that she's actually trained for, you know, like she ran one a couple of years ago and just kind of did it on a whim, didn't really train for it. And this is the first one that she's actually trained for. She's followed a plan. And then she's like, well, what do I do next? And I'm like, well, what do you want to do? You know, like that's really the best question to ask yourself is what do you want to do? And the way that I kind of break this down, and this has been the question I've been asking myself this last couple of weeks when I've been thinking about my goals for this year is, do you want to run faster or do you want to run longer? Like those are really the two big questions that you have to ask yourself. Which one sounds more fun to you right now? You know, like you can do both. You can do either, but you need to pick one to focus on. A lot of people are like, I want to do both. You know, I want to run faster and longer. And it's like, that's great. But which one's your main focus, right? Like if you're running, say, half marathons, do you want to keep trying to run a half marathon and just improve your time? Or do you want to try to build up to a full marathon? Like those are two very different goals. So I think that that's really the one of the first determinations you need to make when you kind of think about like what comes next. Yes, yes, 100%. And almost regardless of what comes next, I think we've kind of hit the major things that you need to think about of should I take some time off after this last one? Like how much physical kind of, I don't know, damage did I do to my body during the race? How much mental fatigue am I under following this race? Mm -hmm. And what does my timeline look like towards my next race? With those three things in mind, you can decide, should I take off a day? Should I take off a week? Like, should I just go easy and do some cross training for the next time? Like, all of this takes into account all three of those big questions and then a lot of some some personal thoughts on like, well, 
what what was my my training for this how is this something new that i've 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 never undergone before because if this is all new to you then taking off some extra time and really making sure you recover from it that's a good thing yeah. you know if this is something that you've done before you might not need as much time off maybe you do it kind of depends on the person are you more injury prone then make sure that you get plenty of recovery time after it like there's there's a lot of things to take into account but i think those big three questions mm-hmm. of physical damage mental fatigue and and what does your timeline look like towards the next thing is three places to start with how should I take some time off? Yeah, for sure. But like just as a general guideline, if you have like a goal half marathon, a goal marathon, plan on taking a recovery week. There's nothing wrong with that. And depending, like Kevin just said, on all of those factors that he's just mentioned, I would say one to two weeks of recovery at least, right, where you're not really focusing on jumping into another training plan unless, like we said, it's part of a bigger training plan, right? Like if you're running a half marathon in preparation for a marathon, then obviously you need to keep on with your um, marathon training program. And there's probably going to be a recovery week built in. There should be, if, you know, if, if, um, especially if you're working with a coach, they need to have a a recovery week built in there. But, um, take, you know, plan on taking one to two weeks to kind of recover and see how your body feels. Like I told one of our athletes today who has a half marathon coming up, I said, take plan on taking a week and see how you feel. You know, if after a couple of days you're feeling okay, go out for a walk and see how the body feels. You can start running as long as you keep it easy during that week as you know, keep it at that very nice, easy effort level recovery, um, recovery types of runs, but there's nothing wrong with running the week after as long as you feel okay and your body recovers. Some people are better just to take an entire week off and not run at all, you know, if, especially if it's the first time you've ever done a longer race, you know, all these physical and mental taxing things, don't feel bad, okay? That's one thing I really want to point out is don't feel bad if you want to take a week off, maybe even two. It might be what's best for you in the long run. Maybe you need that time to both physically and mentally recover before you jump into your next cycle. Take it. You know, that's totally okay for your long-term health and longevity as a runner. Right. From a physical aspect, taking a week off following like a 90-day buildup to whatever your race was is not going to hurt you. Not at all. Like you're going to be able to come back from a complete week of not doing exercise in probably less than a full week off. Mm -hmm. Like that's the thing is if you take a week off there's a lot of studies that suggest that you can get roughly back to where you were depending on exactly what you're talking about endurance or strength or things but in about half the time right and the other thing you have to think about is that if you come back too soon you're actually causing more damage if your body is not fully recovered you're actually putting yourself at increased risk for injury for burnout you know, because if you just put yourself through a physically and mentally taxing thing and you don't actually feel recovered before you start back up again and you're just kind of continuing to draw from that well or empty that cup without letting it refill and with the rest and recovery that you need, that's not setting you up for success long term. Yeah, no, it's especially on the mental side of this one. If you're if you pushed really hard and you're like, okay, I did that, I got a PR, now I want to push for my next race and get a PR, you may not make it to the next race because, you know, especially for like a half marathon, a marathon, we talk about like the grind towards the back end of that training cycle. Some of those runs are are not super exciting to get out there and just knock out mile upon mile. Mm-hmm. If you didn't mentally recover from the last race, 
it's going to be tough to stay kind of focused and driven for the entire next lengthy training cycle. Mm -hmm. Give yourself time to mentally recuperate from that one. Obviously, give yourself time to physically recuperate. If you feel up to it and you want to go for a run, you could do that. If you have never run walked, the recovery week might be a lovely time to take on a run walk. Yes, that is so, so true. But like ultimately you have to keep in mind, what is the bigger picture here? Like, why are you running? Because there's not a timeline on the big picture. If you want to be a real life runner that runs for the rest of your life, as long as you're wanting to run and able to run, right? what's the, what's the big picture here? You know, like, does it really matter that you get right back into it right after that race? And the answer is no, it doesn't, you know, it does not matter if you take a little bit of extra time to make sure that you're recovered. And are you taking in into account your overall health, your strength, you know, are you able to kind of pull back and look at that bigger picture and say, you know, yeah, I kind of want to go for a run today, but I can feel in my body that I'm not actually ready for it. I'm not recovered. So it would not be the smartest choice for me to go out for a run, even though I want to go. Right. And I think that sometimes that stubbornness, um, kind of gets the best of us as runners. You know, we don't like to hear the word no. We don't like to feel any sort of limitation. We like to be able to go out and do what we want to do when we want to do it. And so if, you know, you had a rough day at work and you really know that like mentally you could use a run, but physically you're still recovering and not totally back yet, like that's a tough place to find yourself in sometimes. Right. But in the big picture, the big picture of your long-term running journey leads to a whole lot of series of pushing and then pulling back and pushing and pulling back. Because if your running journey is all pushing, eventually something's going to break. And then you get a break from running that you didn't plan on. Then you don't get a recovery week. Then you don't get a couple of days off because you know that it'd be good for your body. Now something is actually injured yeah. and now you have, you've been forced into time yeah, off. You've and, been forced into four weeks of recovery time instead. Right. Forced into time off is not the same as saying, well, I just did something really mentally and physically taxing. So I'm going to choose to take some recovery time. At least you, you feel a greater sense of control in that, in that, uh, kind of in that scenario. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. So just to summarize, let's, let's wrap it up here and just do like a little summary. Number one, how physically taxing was that race? Number two, how mentally taxing was that race? Number three, when is your next event? And number four, what is the bigger picture? Always keep in mind the bigger picture and your overall health. Like what is actually the best decision for you to make right now? And if you're not sure, ask a coach, you know, if you're not sure, reach out to us. We would love to help you guys on real life runners um, or on Instagram. We are at real life runners. Send me a DM. You know, I've got people shooting me DM messages all the time and I love finding out, you know, what are you struggling with? What questions do you have? How can we help support you in your running? Like what topics do you have for us to talk about on the podcast? You know, cause any question that you have or any struggle that you're having, I can guarantee you are not alone with that. Okay. So if you guys have a question on you know, how long should I recover after this race? Or what should I be doing to train differently for this race? Send me a DM. Okay. Find me on Instagram at real life runners and shoot me a DM say, hi, tell me you're a podcast listener. I absolutely love our podcast listeners. And let me, you know, let's see how I can help support you in your running. Okay. All right. One thing I want to kind of add to this, this overall summary here is 
well, there's no clear answer of saying like, well, you ran 13 miles, so you need exactly two and a half days of recovery. That'd yeah. be an awesome formula, but it, it tragically doesn't exist. You still have to be pretty objective about this. Yeah. You can't let your feelings come in and whether it was a good race, a bad race, you got a personal best or you got the lesson that can't determine how quickly you come back to your training plan. Like you got to be objective about it and saying like, this was physically taxing. This was mentally taxing. And so even if I had to learn the lesson, I would really love to just start training again. Sometimes it's best to actually pull back even more at Mm -hmm. that point. Yeah. And that's really where a coach can be helpful too, because sometimes we are not aware of our own BS, you know, and we love to (laughs) lie. We love to lie to ourselves and be like, Oh no, 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 I'm totally fine. Like I can just jump into the next thing. And your coach can be like, really? Are you sure about that? You know, it's just asking the right questions, right? You're still ultimately in, in control. Your coach can, um, you know, that's the way that I believe a coach should operate is that your coach should ask you the questions to kind of help you figure out the answers for yourself and not just tell you exactly what you need to do. Um, because like Kevin said, it's not a cut and dry um, answer, unfortunately, you know, it would be nice if it was, but the longer, like the, the basic guidelines are the longer the race, the longer you spend redlining yourself, you know, really pushing hard, the more mentally exhausting it is, the longer you need to recover, you know, that may be a couple of days that might be a week. It might be two weeks. Right. And that just depends on how you responded to that race. The more that the race is like a training run, right? Like if you just went out there and ran a half marathon, but you did so and you just kind of had fun. Like this was, I had a fantastic half marathon that I ran from Napa to Sonoma with my girlfriends. And that's what it felt like to me. I wasn't trying to push myself. I wasn't trying to PR. I came pretty darn close to PRing, which was kind of fun. But I was just out there having a really good time, right? So that didn't feel like physically or mentally exhausting. I mean, it was still physically taxing. It was still a half marathon that I was running in a hilly location that I wasn't used to, but I had so much lightness around the race mentally, right? And sometimes those things can offset each other, right? Like, yes, it was still physically taxing, but it was so easy mentally that I recovered very quickly after that too, right? So the more that race is like just a training run for you, the more you can recover like a training run. Exactly. All right, guys. So that's what we've got for you today. Thank you so much for joining us as always. And like I said, if you have any questions and if you want a coach's perspective, come over to Instagram, find me at real life runners and shoot us a DM. I'm happy to offer some perspective, to ask you some questions, to help you kind of figure out, um, what, the answer to that question might be for you or, you know, support you with a training plan and actual coaching and those kinds of things as well. All right. So come follow us over at real life runners on Instagram and uh, say hello when you get there. So as always, guys, thank you so much for spending this time with us. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a friend or take a screenshot of it and share it to your Instagram stories and make sure you tag us because we would love to say thank you for spreading the love and helping us to reach more runners and help more busy parents on understand how to train in a way that you don't have to give up the rest of your life in the process. Running can fit into a busy life because it's your real life and it should be a part of your real life. And that's what we love helping people do. So thank you for sharing this episode with a friend that you think might benefit from it. As always, this has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 235. Now get out there and run your life. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, 
you have to come check out the Real Life Runners Training Team. It's our monthly coaching program where we take all of this material, we apply it, and we take it to the next level. We teach you how to train your mind, body, and skills for true and lasting success in your running and your life. We offer customized training plans, live coaching calls, and one-on-one coaching, along with our proven system to help you transform into the runner you want to be and achieve your goals. Come join our team over at realliferunners.com forward slash team and start to truly run your life. We'll see you there.